Hey there, you're listening to the Soul Survivor New South Wales podcast. Here is a seminar from our conference, More Than a Song 2016. We hope that you're encouraged and equipped. For more information, go to our website, soulsurvivornsw.org.au. So I'm going to pray and then we'll get started. Um, so Father God, thank you for this day and thank you for the time that we have to learn from Matt about communicating for change. I pray that you'll just keep our minds and hearts open during this seminar and that your, your Holy Spirit will be on that as he talks. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Hey, John, you want to come join me? I've, I've asked Jordan to come and kind of co-host this seminar with me today. Um, for a number of reasons. One is she's going to be sharing um, this morning at the main meeting. And so, um, and how long have you been communicating for, like, publicly, would you say? Three years. Three years, perfect. Cool. So the idea is just to get a little bit of, um, to get a little bit of, um, like, range, you know, in... Yeah, if you guys have come to the wrong seminar, feel free to bounce. Yeah, no, 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 it's all good. It's all good. Let's give them a hand as they go to another seminar. Enjoy. I'll tell you what would be awesome. Do you reckon you guys would be able to like come and like sit in this row here? Just it means that then everyone's in the one zone. Thank you. Thanks for being willing to move. Awesome. So what, what I'd love to do really, really quick before we just get started is I want to start from the back of the room and work our way forward. Um, name, rank, serial number. So um, your name, what church you're from, and why you're sitting here. And you're allowed to say, because I didn't like any of the other seminars. He doesn't want to talk, so he's out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, so name, what church you're from, and then why you're here. What is it that you want to learn? Is there anything you want to learn? Or simply, uh, you know. And, and because it's communicating for change, you do have to say something. You can't just say pass. <laughs> if you really want to say pass, you can. Someone at the back. Okay, cool. Are you forever Are you nominated? No, I have my name to at least tell you the names. I'm Carolyn. I'm Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Good to see you again. Yeah. Okay, come on. Come on, give it a go.
Thank you. I just do what Emma Bolland tells me. Yeah. That was what I was doing. <laughs> Perfect. We could have got it in stereo. Pan one left, one right. Um, I'm the founder of Homo and yeah, I'm interested in like, learning to communicate change and whether that's one on one or public speaking. Yep. Awesome. Um, I'm Jess from Brown about this um, and I'm here because um, yeah, I want to learn to communicate the gospel in an effective way. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Um, I'm Jordan. I'm from All Saints in Nagawa. And, um, yeah, someone said it, same thing. I heard, like, communicating. I had changed, and I was like, oh, both of those things. Mm. And then I was meant to be in another seminar, and then Matt swapped me out. Now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky me. Lucky you. All right. Well, guys, today is primarily about communicating to large groups of people. So um, the idea being that at some point in time, somebody's going to ask you to stand up and say something to someone about something. Someone's going to say, hey, we're doing this thing. Would you like to be able to share about that in front of the people who are going to be there? And the first thing you're going to think is, no way. And then the next thing you're going to think is, oh, maybe. And then you're going to think, but what do I say? How do I do that? It might be someone who says to you, oh, um, can you come and share at our youth event? You know, um, Can you come and talk to our youth guys? Or can you come and talk to them about um, the camp that's coming up? Or they might say, hey, can you come and teach on Ephesians 1 in our Bible study? And you're still going to have that same thought. You're going to be like, no way. And then you're going to be like, oh, maybe. And then you'll be like, okay, but what do I say? So... Um, all of us have had different experiences with communicating. One thing that I, I guess the, the main thing that I want to leave on you today is a couple of ideas about how you structure a talk so that it actually changes somebody's heart and changes their will and their motivation to want to do something. Because how many of you heard, and, I, and you would have heard this too, Jordan, where you sit through a talk or a seminar or a Bible study and it's just a list of information. Like the person has just basically just downloading to you like content without any form or structure to it. Like it's like they've just printed out Wikipedia and they've just like just listing information. Uh, maybe it's about the Bible, maybe it's about the gospel, maybe it's about something really important, but all you're getting is just like reams of information. You know that time when you're in school and the teacher says, Alright guys, for this lesson, we're gonna read the textbook and you're like what? Rip off, like you know, because 
there's part of us, each one of us, that's wired to hear something in a way that not only, we don't want it just to change the way that we think, but as communicators, as Christians, when we're communicating to people, we want to actually change not just what they think, but the way that they live, right? We want someone to leave a seminar or leave something that you've been at or that you've been part of speaking at, and you want them to actually do something differently about with their life. Like, in church, we are educated way beyond our level of obedience. Like, way beyond it. You know, we know so much stuff, but we don't do it a lot of the time. So how can you be a communicator that changes the way that not somebody just, the way that somebody thinks, but the way that they do? So, um, and the main way that we do that is by telling stories. Broadly. We're wired as humans to hear stories. Um, from the beginning of time, we've told each other stories. Human beings have written on cave walls. Um, the Bible was transmitted person to person by, by, by verbal, um, verbal contact. Before Jesus, it may shock you to, to know that but when Jesus was talking to his disciples, there wasn't somebody sitting there scribing every word that he had. There wasn't somebody there with an iPhone recording it, catching it on tape so that they could go home and quickly type it up. It was, it was something that the verbal tradition of the old of, the, of Bible times communicated the gospel and all those gospel stories just person to person as they told the stories. So I'd love you to tell us, Jordan, a little bit about why you think story is so powerful. Mm. Yeah. Oh, um, I think Jesus, Jesus uses stories because uh, Jesus gets it. Um, and the whole Bible is full of stories. Um, it starts with a story that situates us in relationship with God in creation, and we understand um, why we're made, uh, what we're made for, the purpose. We understand more about God's character, and it's all through this um, incredible story in which you, um, as the reader or the hearer, can put yourself in, in the place of, of Adam. You can put yourself in the place of Eve. You can be in the garden and understand the way that everything was meant to be. Um, and it gives us this incredible window or insight into things when you can put yourself inside a story. Um, and doesn't Jesus do that over and over again? But he invites his disciples, his followers, to be inside the story. And he even asks them um, what they would do, how, how they would engage with certain things. Um, you know, there's a, this incredible story that he tells um, of uh, two men, and they both owe money to the same person. Um, one person owes a lot of money, um, one person owes little money, but neither of them can pay it back. The debt of both of them is cancelled, right? And then Jesus tells the story and then he asks his disciples, which one's going to be more grateful? Okay, and they don't even need to answer, right? Because in our heads, we are in the story, we're like the disciples, we have this tale as well, and we are thinking about it too. And in the same way, when we're communicating well, when we're communicating for change, we want to invite people in to experience the story, experience um, the, the change or taste the change in the story that we're telling so that they get this glimpse or this vision of what that change can look like. So that when they walk out, it's not that they just heard the information or gained knowledge, but they've experienced a, a glimpse of what, mm. of what that change can look like. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. And so it's important, I think, to note that what we're not talking about this morning is um, what we're not talking about is filling your talk with lots of witty, like, anecdotes. I'm not witty. Uh, yeah. Reminds me of that time when I was playing golf. Ah, uh, you know, Jesus, it's, following Jesus is a little bit like... Uh, you know, a game of poker. It's not like it's not witty anecdotes or stories like that that, that that pepper through your talk. It's approaching your piece of communication, your block of time. Say you've got fifteen minutes. It's approaching that time with some kind of like ebb and flow, rather than going in there and dumping every single piece of information that you have on the topic in a row in no kind of like coherent order or without any sense of form. It's about being a little bit artistic about the way that you that you communicate um, and, and allowing allowing 
really the message of what it is that you've got to say mm-hmm. to, to, to come out. So um, what I want you to do now is turn to the person next to you and I want you to tell them about your favourite movie or your favourite book. Okay? Basic plot line, basic storyline. Favourite movie, favourite book, and go. My favourite book is a graphic novel. Okay. And it is... Yep, just back up to the level of the room. Um, who, uh, heard, who heard a great story just then? So, so, so don't, like, this is not a dobbin, but this is a, who, this is a way that you get to communicate what you just heard from somebody else. Go. I will outweigh you. Come on, communicate it. <laughs> yep. Thanks, buddy. Movies, um, this is going to be Avenged. The same movie is The Dark Knight. Yes. He absolutely just loves Batman. Yes. Dad comes home and we're all just like, 
wet and trying to get this thing off Luke's tongue. And Dad goes, okay, we're going to the hospital and swings up Luke under the... So actually, it's convenient. We live just around the corner from the hospital, which is good because Luke was at the hospital a lot. And so Luke, my dad grabs Luke and Luke's wrapped in a towel at this point. And mum puts me in the car, also wrapped in a towel, and we pile into Manly Hospital. And Luke's like got this thing hanging off his thumb because it's like not coming off and it looks like his thumb's about to fall off. And the surgeon's like, all right, well, um, it's not going to come off, so we have to get some bone cutters. <laughs> and we're all like, oh my gosh, Luke's thumb's coming off. Like, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> um, it's like quite worrying. And uh, he gets out these bone cutters and he like whispers in my dad's ear and my dad's like, like, I don't know, make some kind of signal, like, okay, just like go for it. And so the surgeon gets out the bone cutters and like clamps it down and there's like this crack. And we were all like, oh. It's like, oh God, Luke comes out and his thumb is like still on, still on guys. The thumb is still on, he still has a thumb. But it's like this balloon with like a really thin bit where the ring was. And uh, Luke's never put a ring on his finger since. Um, and the idea of it scares him. So that's the story of being four and two. And, and being married. <laughs> <laughs> Can we thank Jordan for that story? Now, simple story, right? Simple story about something that happens pretty well probably in every house. Um, but that was also a really, really well-told story. So you can have a great story, but then there's, it's one thing to have a good story, it's another good thing to tell it well. And that story had a structure. Every story has a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, and there are a couple of ways that we can go when it comes to treating our talk or your communication or your piece of information that you're going to share. Whether it's for three minutes or 30 minutes, there's a bunch of ways that you can go. There's, um, so what I want to do is we're going to talk to you about, um, about two really broadly, broad kind of ways to go when it comes to structuring your talk. The first one is by taking a structure, like a narrative structure, like a form, like a, you know, like, like a song, like songs have forms, right? They have, they have verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, like middle eight, and then double chorus at the end. That's kind of how a song generally is going to go. That's the form. And so you have this narrative structure here. Now, what happens at the beginning of every story is there's conflict. And at the beginning of the story, in Jordan's story, that was um, she's sitting in the bath. I mean, the, the context is they're sitting in the bath and they're playing a game. The conflict is the ring goes on the thumb. That's the conflict. Every good story starts with a conflict, and every good message, every good sermon starts with conflict. There's no point in telling them something amazing if there's no conflict at the beginning. It may be the, the conflict being we're all broken, we're broken people. It may be that we feel weak. It may be that relationships are hard. It may be that we find it hard to love. You know, any kind of, any, any form of those kinds of things. What's the conflict in The Walking Dead? The Walking Dead conflict is that there are zombies, that people have changed, and that not everything is normal. There's a, the conflict is a very real and kind of overstated one, in that um, there are a group of people who are humans, and they're having to fight for survival in the midst of a world of, that, that's kind of going mad. What happens next in a narrative structure is before things get better, they get worse. They have a complication. So that's kind of about here. There's a complication. The complication in Jordan's story was that they tried to get it off. It wouldn't come off. Um, they, they tried to use the soap, and the soap didn't get it off. And then it got, it got really, really complicated then when the surgeon brought out the bone cutters. Because you're thinking... Every attempt that we've made to make this better has not made it better, it's made it worse. Every story has a complication. It gets worse before it gets better. Think about, I mean, like standard like um, rom-coms, you know, they're, they're like, they, they follow this form every single time. I mean, except generally in the rom-com, the, the, the unlikely pair meet, 
Things go well, 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 but the thing that they've been hiding from one another to be together gets eventually found out, right? And then, you know, the dude's actually been lying or she's been lying or whatever happens. And, and, you, and you know the whole way through the movie things are getting more and more complicated and you know that even though they're looking like they're together, as the viewer, as the watcher, you're thinking, oh man, there's going to be a point in time when they find out and everything is going to hit the fan. It's going to be game over. So, it gets, so we go from conflict to complication. Right at the top of our arc here is um, the reversal. Something happens. Like, so the, the surgeon gets out the bone cutter and you think, oh no, Lukey is losing his thumb and this story just is just, just getting worse and worse. And what he does is he cuts the ring, he doesn't cut the finger, and all of a sudden there's this in this room when that happened, everyone went, Phew. Like, far out, man, that was close. That was a close call. There's always a reversal that happens in the story. Something changes, something um, something snaps, you know? Um, and then at the end of the day, you've got conflict, complication, reversal, and then there's a resolution, or the, 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 uh, the French word is denouement, which is the word that, that, that Anna told me because she knows French. Um, but so, so, so it's this, the idea that there's a new normal that's set, a new level that is now set in the world, that the, the hero of the story has learned something about themselves, the world hasn't changed, but they've changed. They've either grown in courage, they've grown in confidence, they've grown in some way, they've grown in themselves, and so now they're living in a different, they're living in a different place or on a different level. Um, so that's 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 where that's they kind of land in this new place. Now this is not, and you're thinking, oh man, how do I make all my talks fit into this? You don't have to. It's just it's what. What it is is going. This is this is how every story is told. Jesus told stories like this. Um, okay, prodigal son, give me my inheritance, Dad. I wish you were dead. I'm out of here. He spends all his money, loses it all on wild living and 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 doing all his dough, and and he ends up living in a pig pen, eating pig food. He thinks to himself, man, I'm just going to go home because it's better for me to be a servant with my dad than be eating pig food. What happens? He goes home and the dad's like, my son, you're back. And there's a reversal. Boom, it brings him into relationship with God. It's the thing that he thinks least least likely to happen. Happens here. And then the change in the resolution is he gets this party. There's a big party and then there's a couple of offshoots because there's the other brother that comes in and he's not willing to come inside and, and all of that. Um, Parallel lost coin. Lady loses the coin. Searches everywhere. Can't find it. Finally, she lights the lamp, finds her coin, and she says, celebrate with me for I've found my coin. Mm-hmm. Um, happens over and over and over and over again in every story that you can think of, um, every movie that you can think of. Um, the, 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 uh, uh, the Rocky movie, you know, the first Rocky movie, which was one of my favourite movies. Um, he's a bum, lives in Philadelphia, fighting all these, like, deadbeats. He, um, he's trying to change his life by... Um, um, he's trying to change his life by being a standover man and all of that. Somehow he gets the chance to fight for the world title, but as he does that, he hits all of these personal snags along the way. He realises he's not the guy that he thought that he was. His life starts to get really, really hard until the moment when he does actually fight and he wins, like, more, more than anything, he wins self-respect and realises that he is a champion on the inside. Mm. And that's where the end of the first movie finishes. So this happens over and over and over. Now, I want you to think about it when it comes, when you come to the time that you have to do, you have to share something, you have to do a talk, you have to do something like that. Think about a place that you can start in your story that starts here in a place of conflict. We don't like doing it because naturally, and I can guarantee you this, you're naturally going to want to start here. Every time when you, when you speak or you preach, you're going to want to give the game away and tell everybody what it is at the end, right at the start. And imagine if every movie did that. It would be boring. And it would be like lame. Like imagine starting the Rocky movie and you, and you start the movie by seeing him fighting Apollo Creed at the end. Or you, like... 
why would you do that? Or you start you start any of those romantic comedies, and the beginning of the movie, you already get a flash forward of them living happily ever after, and then you come back to the start. It just doesn't work like that. Or every story begins here and ends up there. So this is a structure that you can place, like a filter that you can place over the top of your talk, um, and 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 get it there. This um. So, I'm just trying to think about another example, because I want to jump to yours in a minute and when allowing that, allowing what's already in the text or in your subject matter to, to lead you on the journey um, and we'll take you there. But for just the purpose of um, giving you a, like a clue, so tonight we're talking about David and Goliath, right? And so the conflict is Goliath's there and he's shouting, he's shouting defiance at Israel, Israel's army. Um, the complication is that David goes to do something about it, but no one will let him do anything about it. His brother says, you're insignificant. Saul says, you're inexperienced. And he can't even, he can't get to the point where, you know, Goliath just seems like he's getting bigger and bigger in the eyes of Israel. And it's not until the point when David actually meets up with Goliath and there's a reversal, not because David's amazing, but because God's amazing. And then we end with this resolution where Israel triumph over. So that's it. Again, it's the same structure, but it always begins with a problem. The problem at the beginning of 1 Samuel 17 is that Goliath's there and he looks like it's an insurmountable force. We just You, and you start the story and you think there's no way that this is going to end good, this is only going to end bad. So that's a structure that you can put, like a filter that you can place over the top of your next talk. And you can do this in three minutes. This can be one minute, one minute, and you know, a minute or two here. It was the same when Jordan told her story. It was a three-minute story, but it followed this pattern. And that, I'm pretty sure that was just intuitive. You didn't, I'm not sure how, how much thought you put into it. But it... But what she didn't say was, hey, I want to tell you a story about the time when um, my brother got a ring cut off his finger because we stuck it in the bar. Yeah. And then go back to the start. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We didn't know what was going to happen until the end. Yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I, I saw Luke last night. I think he had both of his thumbs. <laughs> I was trying to think about it because I was trying to, I didn't know where it was going to go. So that's one way to kind of put a filter over the top of your next talk that will help you that will help communicate for a change because you take people on a journey. Mm. The, the number one thing that people are going to ask, they're, they're asking in their mind when they sit down to listen to you is, why do I care about this? Yeah. Why do I even care about it? Why should I, why should I like, engage my heart in this mm. story? Um, and so the, the best thing that you can do is, is give them a reason to care by helping them find themselves in the middle of conflict because let's face it, we live in that every single day. Yeah. Every day. Mm. You live in a place of conflict and it naturally drags you in because you're like, you want the hero to win. You want them to battle against the odds and, and be victorious in the end. Um, yeah, so so that's one way to go there. Would you want me to rub this off so you can draw another picture? Okay. Um, can I just really quickly talk about this? Yeah, yeah. Um, This is your invitation. So every time you speak, every time you tell a story, you invite people into that story and pick your resolution because your resolution is the change, the, the, the changed uh, attitude or perspective of your protagonist, the person in your story, whoever is the, the main feature in your story. And this journey is what you're inviting people on. And this is their takeaway. That's good. So when you, when you, whenever you share a story, you're inviting people into that. And, and if you want to change people's lives, if you're really communicating for change, then that's going to be what you're focusing on because that's what you want people to walk in. Um, so spend, spend time in that resolution. What do you really want people to walk away in doing? And how complex do you think you would make that? Is that more of a... So simple. So simple, yeah. That, that's your soundbite, like, that, um, um, don't put a ring on your finger if you know it's not going to fit. <laughs> yeah. yeah? Luke never put a ring on his finger again. That's the, that's the change, um, that's the resolution. 
you, you want to make it so simple so that someone walking out of there knows exactly the action that you're calling them to. They know exactly what's required of them and they have this choice whether they change to exist in that mm. new, new way or whether they're going to continue the way that they are. That's true. And that's, and that's worth noting too, that some stories, like the, story that, like the tragic stories or the stories in, in biblical kind of context of warning or stories of woe, are those stories where we, we conf- the, the hero is confronted with a choice and they actually choose the wrong thing. Mm. And, so, um, and so you end the story thinking, poor shivers, I, I don't want to be like that. You know, and that is also can be an impetus for change. So that's one way, like taking a, a, like a, a narrative structure like that, overlaying it over the top of your next talk and allowing that to guide the way that, that what you say and the way that you say it. But there's another way to go as well. So, so do you want to tell them about that? Yeah. Um, so um, something that tends to be intuitive for me is that when I open scripture or you know, when I have the passage before me to, to speak on, Um, I often find that there's a natural rhythm of the passage in itself, especially if you are doing, um, rather than just looking at a passage, you're looking at a theme or like some overarching thing, Um, there there tends to be a journal pattern um, and and it's almost intuitive and the passage or the, the theme wants to be delivered in a certain way. Um, and all you have to do is, is write it down. Um, so uh, this is like a bit nebulous because it's different for everything, but uh, what I'm going to do is talk you through um, the sermon that I'm doing in 45 minutes, <laughs> um, which is good practice for me. Um, and so the theme that I was given was justice and God's heart for the poor. Um, and in that, I... Um, knew that I wanted to include how the Holy Spirit stirs us towards action. Um, so I, I had my resolution or my change that the Holy Spirit indwelling in us moves us towards justice, towards compassion for the poor. But I had to get people there um, to understanding that. Um, so I went through my own journey of, okay, like we end up with the Spirit. Now we're in this age of the Spirit where the Spirit um, compels us towards love for the poor, um, but how do we get to that place? So I started at the beginning, um, in my own head, started with creation, um, God's created order for the earth, the way that the earth was um, intended to be um, created and, and purposed. Um, and I moved through God's heart in the Old Testament for the poor, um, looking for God's um, fingerprints in the Old Testament, um, his His a heart for justice being yeah, breathed out of the pages of the Old Testament. Yeah, I might have a, have a crack at it. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we're looking for, for fingerprints in the Old Testament which give us hints and clues about God's heart. And then we crack into this like new age where God's heart from the Old Testament is incarnated into the person of Jesus. And Jesus' mission is for the poor, right? So then, I'm going through this, this narrative structure of start... Are you doing all right? Yeah. Okay. Um, starting with God's heart, which then is birthed into Jesus, Jesus' physical body. And what does Jesus' life and mission tell us about God's heart for justice? And then Jesus leaves... But he leaves another one like him with us. It's not a physical, it's a spiritual. Okay, so how does this this physical, the heart of God, which is birthed into Jesus and then left in us by the Holy Spirit, how does that impact us? And how has it impacted people in the New Testament? How do we see the Spirit moving people towards justice? And then we end with, okay, now you have the Spirit. Now God's heart for justice burns inside you. What are you going to do with it? Yeah? So because, because it, was a, it was thematic, I wanted to bring people to a place and I had to take them on a journey to get there. Because, like, I don't know, some, you, you, this might be you. Some people have never heard this before. Like, some people have never heard this sermon about justice. Okay, and when you're speaking, you have to assume that people haven't been on the same journey that you have. 
By the time you get to speaking and telling a story, you've gone through such a process of understanding, of reading, of thinking, of breaking down things for yourself, but those people haven't been on that journey with you. Um, so you can't meet them where you're at. You have to start with them and bring them along and invite them in, that invitation that we were talking about So yeah, in that case, I would start with a resolution and then build the narrative around that rather than starting with a conflict and building through the resolution. Yeah. yeah. So what you just said was that you, um, you, had, you had this at the beginning. You were like, this is where I want people to land. Yeah. I want them to love the poor in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where, I, that's where I want people to end up. How do we get there? Let's explore God in the beginning, his heart for creation, the way he created everything is good. The amazing, like his amazing, the, the birth of all of that stuff, how Jesus really reinforced that but also provides the, like the redemptive work yep. for us, his mission on earth, and then him leading us the Holy Spirit so that we can carry on, yep. like we can almost be recreating what God yep. began in the beginning. Yep. Yeah. And um, I'm going to give away a, a spoiler. Um, because I, I had to make it um, easy for people who like all of these things are just like I don't get this. I like I don't really like get you. I'm not following. Um, so I had to create these handles through oh, cool. where there, there are these there, these people who like have never done this before and they need um, a really practical illustration. Um, so I got um, like my. Uh, 13-year-old youth kid hat on, and I was like, how are these kids going to understand this theology? And um, so I used Star Wars illustrations. Um, I used illustrations of, like, my mum, and and just really normal things so that this is almost edible. Like, they can can chew it and swallow it and they get it, and they're like, oh, yeah, that is like this, which I understand, and now I understand this, yeah? Yeah. So would you have, like, one predominant kind of illustration for each of these areas? Yeah, and um, for this one, um, the passage actually gave me the illustration. So okay. I didn't, I didn't need it for that. Um, it's this image um, in Isaiah 61. This is from Isaiah 61. Um, and uh, of um, God planting these oaks of righteousness as displays of his splendor. Um, so uh, as a tree grows up and displays the splendor, um, so we too, when we grow up and we, you know, are growing in the Lord, we're a display of His splendor and a display of His heart. Okay, so, so this is like the tree. Yeah, that, yeah. But then this one, I talk about like Ray from Star Wars Episode Seven, and do you know what? In Canberra, it went so wrong. I got my Star Wars history mixed up, and like, like I. I I, I thought the force was genetic, and so I go to the kids. I go to the kids. Is that right? And you should have heard them. They're like, "No, it's not right. You're so wrong." And it was it was actually great because all of these kids that switched off suddenly they were back together because I got Star Wars wrong, and they're like, "Oh, I need to need to yeah." We need to make sure that you, yeah. yeah, it was good. So all of the kids came back to me in the middle here, and then this one I talk about my mom, and um, yeah. How she likes when I do the dishwasher. Yeah. So again, so this is a but you can see that when when Jordan gets up to share in a few minutes time, she didn't go right. Justice. <sighs> okay. Here's everything I know about justice, and I'm just going to tell them one by one, like dot point form, all the way through. There's a form to it. There's a there's a three part. Thing that you'll be able to follow along, you might even be able to make notes about it and watch how she dives in here at the beginning and tells us about God's heart and original, tell us about, about the, the life and the work and the mission of Jesus and how that he makes this possible for us to live by the Holy Spirit empowered to bring to, to bring change and to, to love the poor and to, to, to almost take us back to here, right? So so watch for that because this is a this is an example of, of not imposing, not imposing a form on the, on top of her talk, but allowing the text to to or allowing her theme really to speak and to allow that to kind of rise out of it to, to come out of it. So, um, um, and again, which is something that that I used the passage last night 
to do. I didn't, really, I didn't impose a form on it. I just basically taught through the passage, and the passage had an had an automatic had an automatic thing like that. And that's just because the people who were writing the Bible they know stuff, and they know how to tell a story. The Book of Ruth is the same. There's, there's so many. The Book of Esther is the same. You know, like over and over. So let's stop there. Let's ask, we have like maybe two or three minutes, if there are any questions about this, um, or any things that, that we haven't addressed, or anything that you'd just like a point of clarification, let's do that now for the next couple of minutes before we pray and, and close. Exegetical work of doing of it is figuring out what the big, the big idea is. Some you don't always start with that. Like sometimes it's more going, okay, I've got this passage. They've given you a random passage to teach from, and you have to live in that passage for a week or two weeks. Reread it, read it, reread it, read the, the the read the chapter that it's in, read the book that it's in, read the section that it's in, just to give you an idea of what is actually being communicated here, and that's where I'll end, yeah. and then I can go back to the start and pick up all the juicy bits that are in the text, and mm-hmm. you know where's the conflict in it, where's the where's the challenge in it, mm-hmm. and kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. Yes, buddy. Um, I'm still a bit confused by illustrations. Oh, as in um, when I'm talking about how I illustrate certain points. Yeah? Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so, um, if, uh, so my fiancé, he um, is studying maths, maths teaching, and maths is just so uh, out of my league. I don't really understand it at all. So often when he's explaining to me something to do with maths, he'll relate it to something that I know or something that I understand. Um, so if he's talking to me um, about, he was, he was telling me um, this weird thing in maths where if you've got, um, he was essentially talking about probability and he changed it into a, um, an illustration about goats and doors and so I could visualize, I could be in there and understand this probability um, for myself without him having to tell me all the maths behind it I got the illustration and I got the purpose of what he was trying to say. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So what you want to do is take the essence and put it into something else that's understandable or tangible hmm. um, so that other people can understand it. So when I talk about Ray, which you'll hear me talk about, um, Star Wars Episode 7, um, a couple of people's ears just pricked and they're like, oh, Star Wars, Star Wars. Yeah? And, and what I'm doing is I'm talking about Jesus and Jesus' relationship with God but I'm talking about Ray and her relationship with her parents. I'm saying that we know a little bit about what Ray's parents are like because of what Ray is like, yeah? And just as we, we know a little bit about what God is like because of what Jesus is like, yeah? So for everyone who gets Star Wars, for everyone who understands, they're like, oh yeah, we do, like even though we don't know who Ray's parents are, we know what Ray's parents are like because of who Ray is, yeah? Does that make sense? Yeah. So you take the essence, and apply it to something that's understandable so that everyone's along for the ride. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe one more question. Go on, someone do it. Yeah, thanks. How do you um, find the right balance between sort of your illustration? And the gospel and like sort of all the Bible and story to keep people interested, but at the same time really communicate the message that you're trying to communicate. Yeah. Um, I would say I don't see them as separate things so much. I wouldn't. 
I don't kind of go, ah, oh, these are the kind of the fun bits to people t- to keep people entertained, and then this is the part that I really want them to know. Like you're kind of crushing up a tablet. Here's an illustration. Like crushing up a tablet and putting it in honey. The, the tablet's the real bit that you want people to have, but you put the honey around it so that they catch it. I don't see them as two separate things. Sometimes the illustration is the point. Um, so again, I would, I would say, what's my challenge? What's the end point? And then allow that to dictate how I approach it. Um, because that's going to dictate everything. Your point is going to dictate your pose, your posture, the way that you speak, your countenance, all of those kinds of things all fall into line around it. Um, uh, so... Yeah, I mean, if you've got a sermon that's just like chock-a-block full of illustrations, like one after the other, after the other, after the other, I'd be like, okay, like, where, where's this going? Like, what are you trying to tell me? Um, so I'll just make sure that they kind of dance with each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely about how you tell it. Um, if you're excited for the gospel and you're excited for what you're saying, then that's going to feel like an illustration too. Um, if... if when you're presenting it, you're going, okay, this is a fun bit, this is a story, and now I'm going to tell you some information just so that I get it in there and have it, and then I'm going to illustrate it, um, then of course people are going to be bored during that part, because you're bored with it. But when you're excited and you have that energy and you care about what you're saying, um, then it, it models it to That's people really People catch it, and they, they go along for that with you. That's really good. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You have to live your message every single time. Yeah, embody it. Um, live the story that you're telling, for sure. Find all those points of contact. So, thank you. I hope this has been a little bit helpful. Um, I want to say thank you to Jordan. for. I only asked her to help me with this seminar yesterday. But it was because, because we had a really good conversation about storytelling, and that's something I'm passionate about, and something that I think Jordan is. I said, hey, can you come along? So, can we thank Jordan for just being part of the So now your mission the rest of today, because you'll hear Jordan in a little while and then you'll hear me tonight, is to, you know, um, is you, you've got a bit of a head start and you've, you've got a little bit of a behind the scenes on how the talks have come together. So that doesn't give you license to be able to come up and tell Jordan how she did it wrong <laughs> uh, or how she could have improved. I'm happy for feedback. <laughs> yeah. laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so be with her this morning as she, like, you know, engage with what it is that she's saying and help everybody else in the room engage with it too. Um, and, um, and thank you for being part of this morning. Hope that that's been, that's, that's been helpful. And for the next time you have to do a three-minute talk or a 30-minute talk, you don't completely freak out, but you're able to allow the message to dictate. Big thanks to Matt. We just thank you so much uh, that you've made us and share your story and um, you've made us a storytelling creative and people who love to um, empathise and, and be in um, yeah, the experience of other people. And God, we just pray um, a blessing over everyone here. Um, God, would you uh, put stories in their hearts to share. Um, God, give them creativity and vision and